Hi, welcome to our podcast, She Inspires. A podcast created to inspire community, connection, empowerment, and courage. Designed for women who are committed to standing tall, living bravely, dreaming big, and celebrating life fully. I'm Gina Marie. And my name's Haley. And we're so happy to be with you. We are so happy to be with you One today. of our most favorite things to do in the world now. Is podcast. Every time we get so excited. <laughs> and we're super excited because we have... Danielle with us today and she is a producer and a journalist and a writer and she has started some fantastic communities here in Houston. Mm-hmm. Awakenings and um, folklore films and we just cannot wait to hear your story. We were really? talking we were talking <laughs> when Danielle first got in here and then all of a sudden we we're like we have to we need to I know I know we need to <laughs> capture everything that we're talking about right now. We need to hear it all. I was very excited when you guys um, asked me to be a part of it. I'm honored, so I want to say thank you for mm. having me on this wonderful podcast, and thank you for your work, because um, it's a lot of negative stuff, you know, that we can be preoccupied with. I was watching the news this morning, and I was like, ugh. I know. I just want to know what's going on with Cindy, y'all. I, I don't want to know about all of these people that are dying, not at 7 o'clock. I know. Um, and so, for there to be some intentional space to stop and hear messages of empowerment and goodness and women loving each other and being um, supportive of each other is a balm on the wound of the everyday, you know, wear and tear that life kind of brings you. So, I appreciate you guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you. Yes, we do. And it's um, it's been so wonderful with this podcast because... I feel personally that, like, I am exploring this new creative side of me, which I don't think is actually new. Been there all along, mm-hmm. and I get to create with Gina Marie and create with all these wonderful women in Houston and beyond. And Danielle, you are a creative at heart. Mm-hmm. Like, I just know that about you without even knowing you all that well. well I appreciate that. And um, we want to hear about. We really want to hear about your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And how you know how really where your creative spirit started? Mm-hmm. It was a stormy night in <laughs> 1982. No, um, uh, it's interesting. I think my mom's favorite story to tell about me is that the daycare, when she came to pick me up one day, told her that I had gotten mad that the other kids could not read, and I had started a tutoring program in the corner of the daycare. <laughs> already, already an entrepreneur. Already an entrepreneur. And yeah. so uh, that's something that she reminds me of. It's like, you were mad at the kids. You were trying to get them to read and, and, and learn certain math problems, and they couldn't do it. And I remember that. I remember being extremely bossy and a very hard tutor. Um, <laughs> and we had like a little like a little board that you can like kind of draw on. And I was like, what is one plus three? You know, <laughs> they're going to kids were like, I don't know. Oh, I do. um, so from very early, I have just wanted to see people's lives better. Mm. I think that is the biggest thing that I've discovered. I'll be 35 in September. And so for 35 years, I have just been irritated with, seeing people live in ways that are so far from the potential of what their lives could be. And so, you know, started off 
believing that that was um, my response should be through some kind of religious kind mm -hmm. of teaching um, and have grown to learn that I can really help people unearth their innate desires and dreams and innate gifts and then help them organize how they respond to the world by stewarding those gifts in a way that's generative mm. um, for them. Meaning yeah. they can really live into the passions and the desires and the dreams that they have and pay their bills and go on vacation and live well. Mm. So that's kind of the thesis that kind of runs through as a thread through everything that I've been a part of. Um, but I did, I was a, really a part of um, all the little youth leadership organizations in high school, you know, PALS. Mm -hmm. um, oh and God, I forgot about PALS. PALS, Peer Assisted Leadership, baby. Oh <laughs> I don't know how much uh, leadership we actually assisted. I think we did a lot more just palling around. But yes. Being PALS. Just being PALS. Oh um, my gosh, that's so funny. I, so I went to a performing arts high school in, in town, so it's HSPV. Yeah, you went to PVA, okay. And, um, but my all my friends went to you know, just a normal everyday high school. It was in Sugar Lane called Clements, mm -hmm. and they were all in PALS, but PVA didn't have PALS, and I remember being like, I am really missing out on an opportunity. Oh, there. yeah. Those PAL conferences, like, they were ragers. I could tell. <laughs> I was like, I, I only, like, I would have switched schools just to be in PALS. <laughs> like, it just seemed, so, I haven't thought about it in years. That's Thank you funny. for bringing me back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of my friends actually went to PVA. I went to a high school in Houston that I call the illustrious and world-renowned Jack Yates Senior mm -hmm. High School. Um, and there, at that school, I really was nurtured and given a strong um, foundation to really explore my gifts. And so I learned more about my gifts as a writer there. I learned more of my gifts as an organizer there. I learned about my gifts as a strategist. I would, like, help other students um, you know, I did a lot of extracurricular activities that included me organizing the things that we were all being, you know, going to. Um, and so it's funny, my, I ran into a high school guidance counselor who used to let me apply for scholarships on her typewriter. <laughs> Just to give you a little, oh little timestamp. Um, but she, I ran into her recently and she's like, what are you doing now? And I told her about Awakenings and Folklore Films. And she was like, Danielle, I always knew that you were going to do something in the world mm. that was going to be impactful. She was like, that's why I invested in you the way that I did. And that just really warmed my heart because she used to write me notes. And in her office, I applied for, I think, $100,000 in scholarships and got thirty from her little office on her little typewriter. That's amazing. Um, and so I ended up going to Baylor University and majoring in journalism with a minor in Spanish uh, with a focus on PR because I wanted to help all my HSPVA friends mm -hmm. and their dynamic careers. That was my literal plan. Like I was like, I have all these friends that are dancers and singers and, you know, actors and, you know, artists. And so I'm going to be the person that writes all their stuff and gets them, you know, mm. we're all going to go to New York together. Um, and they went to New York. I was like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> Don't like it. Don't like the cold. Mm -mm, it's cold. Um, and so I was very irritated with the state of my community, my family, and my friends. Um, 
and began a relationship with Marlon, mm-hmm. um, who was in Houston. He was conducting an anthropological study on young people in Houston, ages 18 to 35. And just why people weren't really living into the full potential that they had. Why were they just going to church, going to work, going out to clubs and coming home? And why were all those compartments of their lives so separate, mm-hmm. you know? Why were they one person at work and then right. one person in the club and then one and then another person at church? Mm-hmm. You know, what were their real heart longings and how come their real heart longings were over here in this like box and not in any of these compartments? Mm-hmm. And so after, as a result of that study, we learned that people wanted meaningful, culturally relevant um, spiritual teaching that equipped them to live better at their jobs and they wanted meaningful opportunities to engage and serve in the city. That's what we deduced by going to bars, clubs, malls, movie theaters, um, and just hanging out, observing, watching, asking questions and conducting focus groups. And so, um, the abstract that came from that anthropological study became the framework for what awakenings Mm -hmm. became. And we thought in the beginning that like we needed to, started like a church we thought that young people needed a a, a spiritual community um to learn and engage and then go off into their jobs and lives and so what we learned over that was in 2005 but even as we were moving from 2005 to 2006 to 2007 in 2010 we realized that the world doesn't need any more churches like like we got enough churches right um, but that there is a bigger opportunity to explore divinity and spirituality in like everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did this experiment in 2010 where we turned our organization inside out and we flipped it so that on the same, at the same time frame where you would meet for a Sunday gathering, the first First Sunday of the month, it would be like this big concert at Warehouse Live. Mm. And the concert had great music. It had um, multi-sensory engagement. It had film. It had, you know, we had a comedian come. We had dancers come. We had, and it would literally be Snoop Doggy Dogs. People are waiting to load in while we're, like, finishing, like, our stuff. Um, and, And so the second Sunday, we would turn our gathering into a, instead of having a worship service, we'd have a service of worship. So we would go and complete a project in the city. Mm-hmm. So we completed projects for Star of Hope. We finished a community garden in a food desert. Um, we did a pop art mural project in the in Emancipation Park that's been recently renovated, but we installed, we created and installed artwork honoring local heroes in that park. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, and then on the third Sunday, folks would come in and get to learn Practical lessons in their learning style, so either interpersonal, intrapersonal, um, in a large group setting, people would pick what their learning style was and then go learn in that style. Um, and then on fourth Sundays, we would have like these um, these um, in-home kind of smaller group experiences, and they did amazing stuff. Like they created an amazing race, and like wow. ran around the city. One of the groups I love that show did I know, and one of the groups. <laughs> went to the, um, did a kind of a, a game like that in the mall. So these relationships are being mm-hmm. formed and fostered. And some of these folks have gotten married, started businesses, had children. I mean, it's been, so from the 
result of the experiment, we mm-hmm. radically shifted um, our intentions and we began to develop these. We learned that people really wanted to dig deeper and so we started creating these incubators. So the first incubator was called the Outliers Leadership. No, sorry, it was called the Influence Streams Music Project. We had so many musicians in our community that were like sound musicians. Mm-hmm. Do you know Bernus Earl Travis? Mm-hmm. It's one of them. I went to high school. Uh huh. I know. Um, and so there's so many more Michelle Tebow, a bunch of bands, um, and so we decided that we would collaborate with these bands and we started this incubator where we organized a 52-week tour for these bands to do their own original music in venues around Houston where they were previously only allowed to do cover tunes. And so we had a booking manager. I was the writer and the kind of strategist support. Marlon did the video work and a lot of the graphic design. Four professional photographers gave them all portfolios. We had a lawyer come in and educate them about their rights as an artist. An accountant came in and taught them how to make their low-paying and no-paying work kind of work for them come tax time. Even helped them organize like their calendars to be reflective of their mileage and all this stuff. And then we had an ethnomusicologist come in and show a concert film from like Shaka Khan and from like, you know, just these legends. And he would dissect why these performances were extraordinary. Talk about blocking, presence. Mm. He would talk about endurance and like all of these principles. Um, And so these musicians went through these experiences and then they were booked at different venues around the city and they were able to um, practice their craft. And most of those musicians are working full-time in their craft. Some of them have moved like one of the lead singers from a band called Neon Collars is she she started a group um, with another guitarist named Genesis Neros and they're called Native Symphony, but she's currently on tour with Solange right now. Um, you know, Michelle Tebow is one of them. She's finished her, I think, third album, studio album. Amir Bellamy is another one. He's since moved to New York and he's touring with um, some other um, soul and R&B acts. And so all of the people who are part of that incubator really like they were covered by the Houston press. They were given, they were paid for the first time. A lot, a lot of them, um, since that incubator. And so Houston has become more of, uh, accepting of original music at a venue instead of you having to come and sing the same old song, you know? And so we did another one called the outliers leadership lab that leveraged books on leadership and, um, development and then folks incubated an idea and then um, launched their um, ideas. One of those people is now like he's been promoted so many times. I don't even know what his title is at Google, but that was what he wrote down <laughs> as his project because he, he wanted to um, work for Google. So he incubated wow. his ideas around technology and got headhunted to Google that year. Um, and he was a part of the African American, the Google's rep- Google's contribution to the Smithsonian African American Museum. Mm-hmm. He was like the, the Google representative for that project, right? Um, and so then we, you know, continued to incubate. We did something called the Eat Gallery, which was a culinary art incubator. Ooh. Oh. Um, seven culinary artists who yes. had the education <laughs> and the skills and the products, but not the storefront yeah. overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, we were invited to 
take over a coffee shop and we turned it into a culinary art gallery. They got the same thing. Graphic design, film, marketing, writing, you know. We threw parties to launch their events. Kicking Kombucha is one of those mm-hmm. Favorite brands. Favorite ever. E-Delicious awesome. Treats. Long Came out of yes, we want to talk to you. Green Seed Vegan. Green Seed Vegan is a graduate of the incubator. We also incubated Boomtown Coffee. Yeah. Um, Love Boomtown. And Boomtown was open at the time, but they were still developing a community. Mm-hmm. And so we incubated Boomtown. We incubated Lucille's, which is a... Um, a uh, soul food restaurant with uh, innovative techniques. Mm. Um, so anyway, so well, and you know what I love about that is it's what you're, and this is all through your nonprofit. This is through awakening, mm-hmm. and it's you're creating and developing exactly what you set out to do. What you're talking about is bringing all these people to not be so compartmentalized uh-huh. and bringing in their passions and their desires and what they're, they're real. We talked about before we started from about their, their vocation, right? They're calling, they're calling into something that supports them, supports them both financially, spiritually, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And you've seen great success in that. And what we've yeah. realized is that a lot of the ills that we see in the world are not as a result of people being inherently bad. A lot of it is displaced passion. Mm. you know and so if you are really rooted in your passion and the tasks associated with living your dream are your focus for the day it doesn't leave a lot of time for poorly stewarding your time right Mm. and if you're investigating and learning and offering these gifts and being compensated for these gifts well then the desperation that fuels a lot of crime is not present for you so the Eat Gallery is a really special incubator because we set out to incubate dreams. We wanted to support these culinary artists. They were our friends. And what we would do is we would say, welcome to the only culinary art gallery in the world. We feature the artwork of seven culinary artists who have the products, the talent, and the skills, but not the overhead for their own restaurants. Mm-hmm. Out of our restaurant, we incubate their dreams, and we would point to the menu and say, which dream would you like to taste today? Ooh. And folks would taste and see a person's dream. Um, and the culinary artists were also innovative. Keisha Bocage was one of the chefs, and she does this Trinidadian fusion food. Where she's from Trinidad, but she loves the tastes and the textures of different Asian regions. So she would fuse the food together to be mm. these, oh, delicious. Like my mouth, I have to take a break from my mouth before. Um, oh, get her a napkin. And she was recently on Chopped. She was recently on Chopped. Oh, my gosh, one of my most um, And she got called back for the reunion show, too. She got Chopped because she had her, her shrimp accidentally fell on the floor. So she, oh, she no. couldn't What can you do about but, that? But off camera, they... Picked the shrimp up off the floor, ate the floor shrimp, and were like, we want you back. So like, that's how good her shrimp is that you want to eat off the floor. Oh that's God. amazing. Um, and so um, Eat Delicious Treats, she's invented now over 60 flavors of original recipes, mm. including the stuffed cup, which is a cupcake with a cookie baked on the inside of it. Delicious. Amazing. And her story began because she didn't have the money for treats for her son's Christmas parties. Their dads were not helping. And so she gathered up all the ingredients she had, and then literally searched her couch cushions for change. Got enough change to buy the missing ingredient, chocolate chips, and make cookies. They were so good that the teachers, eventually her co-workers, 
started begging her to make them. She got bored with chocolate chips and started experimenting mm. with different flavors. And out of that came E. Delicious Treats. And she now sells out every day out of her storefront across from Emancipation Park. And she just opened a storefront recently. It was last it year. One. Yeah. Within the last year? Yeah, it, it was Amazing. last year that she opened. I think it was, um, so we're in 2017. She opened in 2016. Uh-huh. Um, and that was a huge you know, just celebration for our community because, you know, in 2008, we helped to renovate the Eldorado Ballroom. Mm -hmm. So the place where she's in now, um, we actually helped to, like, scrape up the old wow. tile, and we actually had an original vision for her. We had an, a, a vision for her to run a coffee shop mm -hmm. where she would place her yeah. cookies and goods and that original vision didn't happen, but she's in the exact same room with Crumbdale. Wow. Oh, I got So it was like, you know, write it down and just mm -hmm. watch it. It's meant to be. Come out of your own, without any of your own, you know, strength, you know, forcing it. Anyway, so the E Gallery was a glorious place, and every kind of person would mm -hmm. come to the E Gallery. You know, business executives, these waspy families mm -hmm. from like, Oh, we're down here from Conroe, you know. <laughs> um, the break dancers and gothic, you know, mm -hmm. people and punk rockers and um, the people who were like these Sikh traditional families would come in for the Trinidadian food because the Indian tastes were so authentic, you know. The kombucha crowd will come in and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the green seed vegans. Um, vegan crowd would attract interest in the Lucille's um, breakfast sandwich was on the menu and so that was a really hearty tasty breakfast sandwich and so that would you know and the, the launch of Lucille's um, was so exciting for us at the time because the a lot of the folks who came in and tasted the sandwich were like consistently asking when the restaurant would open. So a lot of folks from Eat Gallery went over to Lucille's when it launched because yeah. on the strength of one little sandwich and so mm. While we were incubating the culinary art, we would do the same thing. We would create video. We would create um, marketing on Instagram. We would take pictures. We would do writing. We would get featured in these publications. Um, we were on the front page of the Houston Chronicle on the Sunday paper. And up under, on the top fold, up under Whitney Houston and, get, and uh, oil and gas. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, our we were, it was our intention to, you know, help people develop their vocare, you know, and then so have an intersection with the divine that was authentic and not, you know, predicated by some like organized, mm -hmm. you know, dogmatic approach to how they should be living. And so, um, while in the eat gallery, in the kitchen, I was writing a grant for the Houston Arts Alliance to fund the first folklore films screening. Cause we learned that these films were kind of good. Um, and there were also experts coming into the Eat Gallery. We were learning their stories, and we were like, we got to document this. We were mm -hmm. sitting among legends, you know. Yeah. And so we were documenting their films, and we were like, these films are good. Marlon <laughs> has had a camera in his hand since he was 14. And, um, you know, I would apply my, you know, production quality research and mm -hmm. just just being around there, you know, helping. And so Marlon, we were like, we, we're actually kind of becoming a little bit of a film team here. And so we got the grant, $5,000 from Houston Arts Alliance. Um, that was enough for one film, but we actually made like 10. Wow. Um, and we had a couple of film screenings, and we applied for a couple more 
grants, got a couple of more donations. Kicking Kombucha is now um, partnering with us. So every time you buy a bottle of Cultivate Arts, yeah, 25 cents goes to Folklore Films. Mm. Love that. And the mission of Folklore Films is to tell better stories to humans about humans, one folkloric story at a time. Mm. And so we have these multidisciplinary film screenings where local musicians who score the films also come and perform um, that night at the film screening. And we screen the films together to cross-pollinate audiences. And so we screen the films, and we have such a cognitively diverse group of subjects that, you know, we would screen the film of a arts patron who's in her 60s who lives in River Oaks on Furby with, you know, Juan Valentine, who's a yogi and a barber, you know, and a model, and watch their communities cross-pollinate, you know. And so we've seen folks who would normally not be in the same rooms mm-hmm. have really meaningful experiences and realize that they share heart, you know, people of different um, races, people of different cultural backgrounds, people of different generations and zip codes, yes. you know. Yeah people who would normally not shop in the same grocery stores or go to the same clubs are having these intentional intersections at um, these film screenings and learning new stories from the films, but learning, exploring their own folklore in the process, but also learning new stories about different kinds of people. So the people that they may have been scared of or paranoid by, they end up rooting for. Right. And in many cases, starting new relationships with um Robert Lopez met his wife at a folklore film screening, and Marlon married them. Um, That was wonderful. But new businesses and new relationships have started at these screenings since 2013, which is how long we've been doing it. Yeah, and I'm sure that one of the the biggest victories of all is you probably changed people's minds. You know, you've created this opportunity for them to see people, like you're saying, from other walks of life, Mm -hmm. see that we're all... Same. Honestly, that is our biggest desire is to shape culture in a way that unearths people's gifts and value and allows your knowledge of a person's gift and value to determine how you interact with that person instead of how a person looks. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what a person's physical features tell you about their capability their criminality and about their um, their competency and their value in your life. That's so inspiring. Um, because you know the you know the culture that we live in today. You know, we were all lamenting just last night at the verdict of the officer that killed Philando Castile. This is like the thirteenth non guilty verdict uh, of an officer shooting and killing an unarmed black person um, or a person of color. Um, with really no consequence mm-hmm. legally. I mean, they may lose their job, but, you know, you right. can get another job. You know, this person can't get another life. Mm-hmm. And so there is a subconscious narrative that people create when they see certain mm-hmm. people. And our work, I hope, is helping to bring a more conscious narrative to the forefront of people's minds and say, no, I just watched a movie. I just watched a film about this black guy named Brian Ellison, who's an amazing photographer. He's an amazing father. You know, he fought for the custody of his twins. He's, you know, this, he's that, he's this. So that gives me a new story to tell about a tall, 
dark skinned mm-hmm. black man that may be different than what I have, you know, experienced on TV or mm-hmm. through, you know, a stereotypical conversation, you know? Um, so maybe, maybe let me ex- 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 approach other black people differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, or maybe let me approach women differently because I saw this film about this woman named Stacy Davis who opened a restaurant called Radical Eats as an expression of her um, sobriety. Mm-hmm. She transferred her passion for drugs to a passion for culinary arts and she opened a vegan Mexican restaurant and it worked. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So maybe let me reframe how I feel about people who are women or people who have had drug addiction because mm-hmm. maybe they just need an opportunity to displace that passion onto something creative, which mm-hmm. is what she said. Creativity saved her life. Wow. Um, and she's a cancer survivor. And so she talked about how um, c- cancer survival has its own type of guilt and mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder that can lead a survivor to switch medications and start to self-medicate. Right. Yeah. Who knew? Mm-hmm. You know, you think, oh, you don't have cancer anymore. Oh, it's right. a new day. It's a new day. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't know about this kind of in-between space. That's right. a limbo between remission and like fully living again. You, I didn't know that, you mm-hmm. know? And so I'm like, when somebody has cancer, I'm like, oh my God, mm-hmm. let me touch you. Let me, mm-hmm. let me encourage you. Let me be a human source of energy for whatever, wherever you may be in that space because of, because of a film I saw. Right. Right. Um, and so we started to want to do that more and more. And we started to want to incubate people's purpose more and more. And so then on the strength of, um, some lecturing and some becoming a lecturing fellow at, um, Duke Princeton, Duke and Princeton universities, Marlin was given an opportunity to design, um, an inc- a vocational incubator that's really been the kind of most effective and organized way that we've ever offered. We had um, 32 local innovators um, experience a year-long incubator that we call Houston Innovators. And these incubators were a month, there was a nine-month journey that began and ended with a retreat. Mm-hmm. And these in- innovators got a chance to fall apart, examine their true bottom why, and then turn a passion into a purpose and into a plan for a new project mm-hmm. in the city. And these in- innovators are currently in the, like, kind of, I want to say beginning because it's been about six months now, but they've launched their projects in the wow. city. And it was underwritten by the HEB Family Foundation. HEB, the store, has a Underwritten in part, I would say, because it was also underwritten by my blood, my sweat, my tears. <laughs> Marlon's blood, sweat, and tears. Awakening exactly. Zinc. Um, but so so now as a strategist and as a producer, that is kind of our, my focus, and that's always been my focus, is these um, experiences that from beginning, middle, to the end, create a journey for folks to emerge on the other side with a clear understanding of who they are and how they can um, offer that to the world in a way that's generous, but also generative. Yeah. And, and that continues to take care of themselves. Exactly. Because you don't want them to be 
you know, get to that place where you're worn out and you're dry and you have nothing left to mm -hmm. give because mm -hmm. you haven't been taken care of. Mm -hmm. And I think so many artists and creative types, that happens all the time. And it comes with a lot of resentment, too, a lot of um, hostility, because you have unspoken expectations for how others will take care of you because of what you're offering. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people are just not wired to read each other's minds. Thank right. God. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want nobody to read my mm -hmm. mind. I don't want to read nobody else's mind. I don't no. know, honey, what's going on. Um, I want you to filter what's happening in there and then be very careful with what you let me know. I don't I know. want to know more than what you want me to know. Um, but, um, you know, that that is our, our hope. And so, you know, I've recently kind of returned to my first love of writing and just kind of started writing these like open love letters to organizations and to entrepreneurs that I really love and that I appreciate. And so my blog is a place where I play around with that. Um, and I've gotten a couple of invitations to, um, to do that for some other, some, some friends of mine. And so, um, you know, that's kind of where I am creatively breathing Mm -hmm. as I continue to serve as a strategist for these incubators, a space for me to just really be authentic to what really makes me feel like flying. I was telling podcast listeners, I was telling um, Gina Marie and Haley earlier that writing for me feels like I'm talking to my first love every mm -hmm. night and everybody's just cool with it. Because you know? <laughs> um, I am married to a wonderful man. His name is Devon. I have a daughter named Sage who is... Mm -hmm a whole world in one body um, and returning to my first love of writing has just really made me a richer person, a yeah. richer mother, a richer wife, a richer human and a, a happier person. Um, so, so that's, that's the kind of backstory. I don't know where you want to go. Let me tell you, that is a back <laughs> story. Back, 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 like, back. That is, I, I'm blown away. Yeah, like I, I am I am speechless. Me too. I like, had no actually, idea. And I am in a place right now, Danielle, where I am those of you who know me and for you listeners, I don't event I'm not often speechless. <laughs> like in a like in a space where I'm just truly like, oh, and you've left me right now with more questions than answers. Mm. In the most beautiful way, mm -hmm. right? And in a way that I think what you're out to create, what you and Marlon are out to create, what Folklore Films, what Awakenings, what, what all those are out to create is for people to truly stop talking mm -hmm. and start listening. Mm -hmm. And I am like in a full body experience of that right now of just listening and looking and seeing, okay, for myself, like, where else can I contribute? Mm -hmm. Where else can I generate and be generous, not only with myself, but with others? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really appreciate, you know, I always say to my friends, when people recognize where they are privileged in their lives, and then they leverage that privilege to extend opportunities to other people who are competent but may not have access to the same opportunities mm. for whatever reason. Um, that is a beautiful way to shape our culture for good. Mm -hmm. You know, 
so asking that question, like, where can I give? Where can I listen? Where can I learn? Um, where can I acknowledge, you know, what I have and offer it to people? And not to everybody. Be discerning, right. you know, <laughs> right. be wise. Um, but also be open to the fact that, you know, we are in, in, in different ways um, really blessed and really fortunate. Mm-hmm. And so understanding, I think, beginning with gratitude for that and then leveraging what you have to make others' worlds, you know, better to live in, I think is what you guys are doing. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I also appreciate the belly love. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we you love know. a good belly. We love all the bellies. Um, I'm still, my relationship with my belly changes, but oh, I'm, I'm oh, at the too, end of the we'll day. Say. Yeah. Loving it. Um, oh, us and, too, for sure. You know, it depends on, you know, my diet for the, yeah. for the day, if, if I love it, it or not. But things that contribute, and um, I'm curious, is there one person that you have worked with that has changed your mind or opened your eyes to in a way that you are hoping to create for others? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, Marlon is the first person. I mean, he is now a dear friend. I mean, a friend is not even appropriate for the way that, you know, we've connected and the way that our families have connected. I mean, we there is some pure love, you know, within our relationship. And so experiencing a friend that you can also collaborate with because I really don't do friendship, like traditional friendship very well. Like I can't come over and watch a marathon and like mm-hmm. binge eat. I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm just too antsy for that. And so having a friend to do things with and in the car and in the planning phases and at, in the morning setting up and at the, at the end of the day breaking down, like that's where we like develop mm-hmm. our friendship. Like that is exhilarating. So I would say the ideas and the visions that he has had have aligned so much with the longings and cravings of making the world a better place in my heart that I have opened up to so many possibilities through my friendship with him. Um, And there are so many people, gosh, I wish we had more time, but (laughs) (laughs) one person in particular is that has just really opened my mind is a lady named Judy Nyquist, who is an arts patron and she's responsible for a lot of the public art that we see in the city like she's a cute she has a little smart car she's this cute little lady (laughs) with this little like silver bob and these lashes and she's so like unassuming but she really is a force and Mm -hmm. she connects people with resources opportunities and relationships to create and one thing that she says is that like I appreciate Rembrandt and I appreciate Picasso but I didn't know them like I love to patronize the dreams of mm. artists that I know. I don't want them to be pharmacists. I don't want them to be accountants. I don't want them to be waiters. I want them to create artwork that changes our culture and speaks to what's happening for a full-time basis and be able to earn a living. And so she has really invested her life and her resources and leveraged so much of her personal um, life into pouring into artists in the city 
And so I, I call myself Judy Jr. I'm like, I want to be like Judy. Like I want to, um, I want to help people in a very tangible and real way achieve their dreams. And so we, we created a folklore film for her and she let us follow her. She's on like several boards and, um, patronizes several arts exhibitions and arts careers and all of the folks said like the kind of the seas would part when she would walk in because folks were so aware of how many dreams she's helped to um, bring to full realization mm-hmm. in a matter of you know years in the city you know um, and so she gave me a real-time local like level eye level view of the capacity that one person can reach in terms of not just saying like oh I wish you well but really what can I do to support you mm-hmm. how can I leverage right. all that I have to support you and then do and then it. you and then yeah. you and then you and then you and you look around and our cityscape has shifted because of the work that she has helped to um, support you know, wow. as a as an actual patron, um, and, and her um, film is called Curator of Human Potential because she is very much an arts curator, but she curates people's potential mm. in the city. And she invited us. And she lives on Kirby in River Oaks, and her home is called the Nyquist Gallery. And you walk in, and you don't want to touch anything. <laughs> you cannot replace it, honey. You right. can't replace any of it. Mm-mm. It's been in the Manil. Now it's in her house. Wow. And wow. and she was just so humble and kind and disarming you know I'm a young black person a black woman so being in River Oaks is uncomfortable for me you know a woman a a woman wearing a hoodie was just attacked in River Oaks this week a black woman walking down the street Um, an artist in residence at the Art League was being hosted in River Oaks and she was walking to the bus stop and was apprehended by police for walking you know and so I went into her house braced for anything right and she came out with a trailer and was like are you guys hungry here's some snacks i'm so happy you're here like mm. um and just completely shattered and made unnecessary any guard that i had up and then began to teach with her life how to um curate people's potential and so her screening um was also in conjunction with a lot of other um artists and she also is one of our Houston Innovators lecturers so she came back to the incubator and lectured to the innovators um, because we had that's one thing that I forgot to say about Houston Innovators is we had established innovators come and do a 360 degree lecture with the local innovators the emerging innovators and so folks like Marcus Davis of the Breakfast Club Mm. Judy Nyquist um, a lady named Mia Mins, who is one of the executive executive directors, like she's an executive with a with Sedexa, which is this huge company. Um, and she spearheaded. She was like the first female and African American director down in um, Brazil to spearhead a lot of what the company did. And so she had to navigate generational language and. Um, cultural barriers while she was leading a part of a company down there Um, and so anyway just a bunch of folks like that you know came in and talked to the innovators and then they got a chance to really work in a kind of a laboratory environment on applying what they just heard to their 
dreams. And so, yeah, that's just what really lights me up and, and helps me to cope with, mm-hmm. with the things that really bum me out. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, there is a protest that I can actively um, engage in through my purpose, and there is an impact that I can make where I am so that I don't have to drive to Ferguson and Minnesota and Oakland and New York and Orlando, all these places where this crazy stuff is happening. Um, You know, um, it it helps me to feel a sense of hope Mm -hmm. because there is a hopelessness, you Mm -hmm. know, particularly with the Philando Castile verdict because how often have my daughter, myself, and my husband been in the car, you know, and could be pulled over for anything, you know? Um, it's just, it's easy to map your own experience onto the, the tragedies yes. that you see and then become extremely um, saddened and hopeless mm-hmm. as a result of identifying. And so if you can have a direct place of action, that is a that is an aggressive um, attempt to kind of approach those ills. You just feel better, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel better knowing that I'm producing films that tell better stories to humans about humans, so that hopefully somebody will see a story that gives them a different narrative that may keep them from making hasty decisions in the in the heat of a a conflict or in the heat of a moment, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm just like putting wow. your attention on how you can make a difference and make an impact right where you are. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that if, if we thought more that way, then we wouldn't be satisfied with kind of, um, you know, hashtag and social media activism. We'd be able to say, no, I am going to respond. I'm going to take exactly how I feel to exactly what's happening. And I'm going to integrate my response into what I offer the world. And I'm going to be direct and I'm going to say, this is how this made me feel. And this is why I'm doing this. Right. Danielle, we're just so grateful. Like, thank you mm-hmm. so much. Thank and not you. only thank you for meeting us today, but thank you for having your fingertips in our city and in our community yes. and like making shifts and um, investing in people and just all that you're creating it's so i mean i truly am blown away inspired yeah and tell us what's next yeah i'm very happy to be here and i'm happy to um just have this opportunity what's next is so we are merging all of our learnings from the last 12 years we started in 2005 that'll be 12 years in september um, we're merging all of our learnings with the success of the last incubator and so we're launching um, in partnership with Duke University here in Houston. Wow. Um, it's an advisory partnership, and it's very much, um, as an academy, they're watching this next iteration as an experiment that will influence how they shift, how they educate people. Cool. Because the institutions of higher learning are starting to kind of dwindle, mm. you know? Um, and so instead of allowing that to just be the reality, one of the things that they're doing is connecting with grassroots organizations and watching how to kind of educate people at a local level. So we're in partnership with them. 
um, launching the Life Design Academy, Ooh. which is a 12-month incubator that allows anybody to incubate a project in their personal lives over a 12-month process. And that can be someone who has no idea what their purpose is, someone who knows but is not yet transitioned into pursuing that on a more full-time basis, and also someone who is pursuing it on a full-time basis but wants to do the work of deepening that. Right. The Life Design Academy provides space um, throughout twelve a 12-month 12 um, journey. We will have five um, kind of schools in the academy around business, art, literature, um, science. Um, and so the, the, the Life Design Academy is designed to be this place where you can experience experts that will guide you through um, practicums and journeys that will give you space to do the work of applying those truths to wherever you are in your own um, life project. And so that can be, I want to start my business, or it can be, I want to be a better parent. Yeah. You can incubate any idea, and over 12 months, you'll emerge um, with a plan for how to live into the plan that you've been incubating for the last 12 months. And awesome. it'll be a multidisciplinary experience in partnership with Rec Room Arts, which is where we'll be starting yes. July, uh, yes. first week in July. Um, and the Life Design Academy will um, begin in August. So we'll be there in July just to kind of get, you know, rooted and grounded, and then we'll begin the Academy in August. So awakeningsmovement.com is where you can find out more about it. We're also on um, Facebook and the Twitter, um, Awaken, mm -hmm. Awaken to Move on Facebook, and then AM Houston on Instagram and Twitter, Folklore Films uh, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and then I'm at Daniel Fanfare on all those things, too. Mm. So that's probably the best way to keep keep up. And then if, if you want to go to my website, it's like my little playground, yeah. danielfanfare.com. Is that where your blog is, too? That's where my little blog Gotta is. Gotta check it out. Gotta check it out. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yes. It's been a real learning. It has been I've so learned good. so much. Yay. Me so too. So much. Thank you. Yes. Thank and you. Um, thank you, listeners. And we love you. We love you. Thank you, right. Oprah. Thank you, Beyonce. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Brene. I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs>